I told you at the beginning of 2020, prayer in 2020 is not optional. It's not optional. Us gathering together is not optional. If you think that the church being closed, I'm talking about in 187 nations, church buildings were empty for the first time since the very first Passover when Israel came out of Egypt. 2020. 50 days after that Passover, say 50. That's the Feast of Pentecost. 50 days after I did the research, why don't you do yours this week? Why don't you figure out what happened 50 days after Easter in 2020? The same exact thing that happened when Moses came down out of the mountain, having received the 10 commandments from God and found the people in a state of debauchery where 3,000 people were killed in one day. That happens to be going on in America. But since you got your nose stuck in some kind of news media that only tells you one thing, you don't know anything about it. You better look deeper. If there was ever a time you better dig deep, it's right now. Amen. And I just wanted to tell you that because Wednesday night, I'm going to bring you the seventh message in the overall series, the fourth message on the man, the mark. And this Wednesday night, I'm going to give you, I'm going to do an expose on who is the Antichrist and what are the three tactics he will use that are being employed right now in the United States of America to deceive millions. Same tactics. I'll prove it to you from the Bible. How many of you are going to be here? You can't be here. How many of you are going to be online? Okay, four of you. Are you tired? Do I need to get Pastor Chris back out here? Pastor Chris, they, they kind of, they you kind of had to drag them today. But you just sit there because I'm about to take them where they never dreamed they could be. Are you ready? I'm not doing it for that. Uh-uh, I got too much invested in what I'm about to share with you to hang out with patty cakers and popcorn praise. I mean, when we're all together in one accord, in one place, and that includes every one of you online, so I want you right now to let me know you're there. I want to know the nations. I want to know the cities. And I want to know that God is blessing you. I'm an audience participation preacher, and I expect to hear from you or I'm going to stop talking. And you better, how much longer do they have to sign up in my class? This week, that's it. So they better get signed up today and you can do that online. And I'm going to be live every Thursday night from right here on this platform 
and I'm going to take you through legacy. I'm going to talk to you the very first class about something called a West Running Brook. And you're like, what? You better be in my class. I'm going to change your life. Shove your neighbor. Come on, you're social distancing up. Just reach six feet out. Three feet this side, three feet that side, and shove them and say, I better see you on, on Thursday night. Are you ready? Now, y'all, you can be seated. Y'all pray for my voice uh, because, you know, it's allergy season in Ohio, and uh, I, I have been preaching uh, every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, doing all of the television and all of the meetings. And uh, this is the first I've spoken in the last two and a half days. So I thank God for giving me my voice back this morning. It may be a little bit raspy or something, but let's thank God that uh, when the devil tried to kill me with vocal cord cancer, he lost that battle. I got three people happy. Hallelujah. Romans chapter five is where we're headed. Romans chapter five. It's my opinion that you should read the book of Romans at least once every two weeks, all the way through. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Some of you Valor students. Did you catch what I just said? You, you have to pick up what I'm dropping. I said, read the book of Romans at least once every two weeks. You do better to read it every week until it becomes a part of you. But uh, it, it is a book that is very appropriate to the season that we are in right now. So we're gonna jump in at Romans chapter five, verse eight. But God demonstrates. Now, if I was preaching a camp meeting message, I would stop right there. But God demonstrates. Because if all you've got's word without any miracle, you've got dead religion. But if all you've got is manifestation with no word, then you have vain emotionalism. Are you with me? So we have to have God and government. We have to have law and grace. They both go together. God demonstrates. He's a God of signs, miracles, wonders, demonstration. And if you can't point specifically to something that God did supernaturally in your life in the last seven days, you're dead. Look at everybody looking at me through their mask. I said, God is not dormant. There is no stagnation in the body of Christ. That's why it's called a river and not a swamp because a river is always moving. God is always moving. The problem may be that you get outside of calling distance 
or that you are not being mindful of the spirit realm. You're just walking around in the natural, being led by that little ring in your nose by your emotions. That, that's a good praise. I like that whistle. I gave everybody a whistle for a year around here. They could blow. Somebody shout amen. Now, see, you're getting, you're getting under a little condemnation. Uh, what I'm bringing you is not condemnation, but conviction. God, who wants to just get up and go to church? Who wants to just read your Bible a couple times a week because you feel like you're obligated to? Who wants to get down on your knees and not feel the power of God all over you. You're just staring at me. What I'm telling you is the cold are going to get colder and the lukewarm are going to get colder. Only the hot are going to get hotter. That's the reason your Bible says to him that has shall more be given. You missed me. To him that has shall more be given. To as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. You're not finished when you get born again. You're not finished when you just attend a Sunday morning service. You're not finished till you slip over the sapphire sill of heaven's gate and you not there yet, baby. So get the power of God manifesting in your life. Some of y'all didn't get your coffee this morning. Romans chapter five, I just been giving you time to find it. What does God do? Four people. What does God do? And y'all ask me why I repeat. What does God do? Is he demonstrating in your life? Has he demonstrated himself in the last seven days in miracles, signs, wonders, blessings, healing, deliverance, salvation? God demonstrates. What does he demonstrate? He demonstrates his love toward us. And that is not some top 40 uh, contemporary Christian guy singer that sounds more like he needs to spend a night in the woods than anything else. I'm not talking about that kind of love. That's not love at all. I'm not talking about lust. I want the things of God. I'm not talking about love that needs to be ashamed. I'm talking about self-sacrificing love. Let me remind you one more time, self-sacrifice is entry-level Christianity. So God inhabits, Pastor Chris, the praises of his people. So if there's no wood, there's no fuel for the fire of God. So you got to prime your pump Somebody shout, somebody jump, somebody wave, somebody spin, somebody clap, somebody leap. 
Okay, I'm not, I'm not dragging you through it. He, come, he demonstrates his love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, in due time, Christ died for us. Furthermore, verse 11, we also rejoice. Well, that must be some other church. I'm not up here to perform. Whethersoever two or three of us are gathered together in his name, he is there in the midst of us. Why are you this morning looking at me like I came in here to entertain you? Get in agreement. What is the matter? Furthermore, I like that word. Point your finger and say, furthermore, we also rejoice in God. Thank you. There's no reason to read it if you don't do it. That's a dead word. Therefore, we rejoice. In God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now, at this time, in this moment, in this season, henceforth and hereafter, received the atonement. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now, when I don't have a dollar to change, and now, when she said she's walking out and never coming back, and now, when the doctor says you've got vocal cord cancer and may never preach again, and now, I am happy all the day. So what's up with you? Ha. Show somebody and tell them, I have received the atonement. Today, I want to share with you the greatest faith. The greatest faith ever demonstrated in the history of humankind. Not that faith where Jesus said, so great a faith have I not seen, not in all of Israel. I'm not talking about Israel. I'm talking about the world. The greatest faith. Do you know what faith actually is? Faith in its Distilled and most basic form is one thing. Two words, knowing God. Now, Dr. Lowe, what they like to do is they like to make it three words. They like to make it knowing about God. No, 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 no. There's a difference 
in knowing about and knowing. I will reveal to you today the greatest faith ever revealed. Are you ready? I don't know if you'll shout when I tell you what it is. Faith is steadfast confidence, trust, and assurance that God is who he said he was and that he will do what he said he will do. <laughs> Somebody said, well, do you believe so-and-so? So-and-so said, now if they're a politician, I can help you. I can help you. I, I can let you know the telltale sign of when a politician is lying. Are you ready? When their mouth is moving. Period. People say, well, do you believe so-and-so? I have two questions. Number one, what did they say? If I don't know what they said, how can I? I don't want to hear what you said they said. That's called hearsay. That is not admissible evidence in the court of my opinion. I have to know, number one, what did they say? Number two, I have to know what is their character? Are they a liar? There are two kinds of liars, just outright liars, and what I call shuck and jivers. A shuck and jiver won't lie outright, they just won't tell the truth. Like they answer the question, but they didn't answer the question. Are you listening to me? Like when I asked one of my team, hey, did you pick up so-and-so? Yeah, I'm on that. What? Because what you just told me is you didn't do it and you're trying to sidewind around the issue and make me believe you do it when you know you didn't do it and I know you didn't do it. So that means you have a propensity to lie. So every time you lie, you diminish my faith in your character. But you don't have to worry that about God because he gave you 1,166 pages of what he said. And he backed it up because he is not a man that he should lie. With him there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. If he said it, you can believe it and it is so. That's a little rabbit trail, but it's good, wasn't it? It's going to become important when we discover what is the greatest faith. Be seated. Because what I actually want to do is I want for you to examine. I don't know why y'all 10 years ahead of me here. I wasn't talking to you. I haven't said what kind of faith yet, have I? So I've been going on for 10 minutes, getting them to the place 
to tell them what the greatest faith is and y'all told them 10 minutes ago. So either turn it off or get in the Holy Ghost, one of the two. I'm, I do good enough messing myself up. The greatest faith is, now, now they change it, Jesus. Oh, the joy of the Lord. The greatest faith, and I don't know if you have it or not. Well, I see you here. I hear you clap. Sometimes I see you move. That lets me know you're not a corpse. Sometimes I think you're smiling. I can't tell with those masks. But I don't know if you have the greatest faith. Because you might have living faith, but not dying faith. You see, your Bible says, these are they who have been delivered from the fear of death. Now to be delivered from is not the end because a letter is not delivered when it leaves your house. A letter is only delivered when it shows up at its intended destination. You say, well, I have dying faith. I don't know because you're not dying yet. There's something about a funeral that causes people, if even for a brief moment, to examine their lives. It is possibly the only time in the culture that we're living in where people are required to pause as did Job and consider God. The prophet declared, I would that they would consider death. It's real somber in here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to remind you, I suppose that the Death rate, when we talk about the death rate of COVID-19, X percentage of a percentage of a percentage will get the thing, and X percent of a percentage of a percentage of those percentages will lose their lives. One's too many. But right now, uh, they were off 299,673 deaths. 165,000 people have died, not 2.2 million. Oh, you didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that. It's a shame people have to come to church to know what's going on in the world around them. But after all, it is really the only place you can get any truth. That is, if you have a preacher that's not a man pleaser. 
Okay, that went over big. I don't know that you will make it. I don't know if you ever consider your end. I don't know if you'll be here next Sunday. I don't know. And neither do you. I had the distinct honor of meeting a young lady named Cassie. I met her family. Uh, I was actually with my family, uh, we were at, we went down there to, you know, spend three months income, you know, with the mouse down in Orlando. It's amazing nobody ever complains about that. You pay a hundred million dollars to stay in the hotel. And, and then you pull your car up and they won't let you park it yourself. So when you check in, you have to pay for your parking. Then every time they go get your car, you got to pay the guy that went and got it. And then when you bring your car back, you got to pay him to take it back. You bought a pass to get in the park. But every time you want a hot dog, it's $42,000.95. And nobody ever says a word. Aren't we having fun now? We're broke. <laughs> being broke never felt so good as being at Disney World, paying the mouse. A news broadcast came across and America stopped for just a moment. A young demonized man by the name of Dylan Klebal and his deranged sidekick decided they'd go to their local high school in Colorado. Columbine. Cassie was sitting outside the front door in a grassy area having her lunch with some of her friends. 
when these two walked up to her with a shotgun and said, are you a Christian? Yes. Boom! I don't know if you have dying faith. I, I don't know what the last words you might utter would be. I went into that high school. I'm six feet, two inches tall. And I could walk through holes in the concrete walls of the library. It looked like you'd dip a paintbrush in red paint. You have to remember that the death rate has never been miscalculated as it has been during COVID-19. The statistic that I will share with you has never been altered, never been revised. It has never changed since God our Father created our pristine parents in the elegant Garden of Eden. Picked them up and breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. The yod hey wahey of God. The Spirit of God. The death rate among human persons on planet Earth remains stubbornly, immovably at 100%. You will die. Well, I'm only 19, so was my first cousin sitting right here on a Sunday night. He weighed 320 pounds. He wore bibbed overalls. He had a big, long beard. He had three babies, beautiful wife. He'd lived for God his whole life. And then he got busy raising babies, busy mowing his lawn, busy mending the fence, busy playing video games, busy going to the store, busy going to the golf club, busy watching the basketball playoffs, busy, he was busy, you understand? No time for eternal things, no time for prayer, no time for Bible reading, no time for consecration. So he began to miss services. Before you know it, he was no different than 
any other part-time churchgoer. He had lost sight that this light is like a vapor seen then gone. This life is but a moment. This existence is temporal. You're not always going to be here. Why, right here is a picture of my precious mother. Right there. And on the other end of this pew too. Right here. That's my mom. Get down there and show them how pretty she was. Let them see how I ended up being so good looking. It's a burden. You got it? That's my mom. There's one just like it over yonder. That's my, that's my daddy's over there. I, I put those there because that's where they always sat. They were here watching their son believe for two and a half miles of padded pews that you now sit on. They watched me get knocked out, praying out there in the main foyer because it was getting late at night and I was praying and crying and I had my hands lifted up and I, I looked over at something while I was walking and continued to walk and ran into a steel girder, knocked myself out. I don't know how long I was out. I was glad for it though, because while I was out, I had the vision. I had been praying, God, I am 28 years old. You told me to build this thing. Nobody's ever done it. And God, we're, we're having a hard time. I don't know if we'll ever get it finished. Boom. And I had the vision. I thought about this when I was thinking about my class for Thursday nights. As I lay there on the gravel, part of the concrete block, because I didn't say, well, let's do this and let's do it so in 10 years it'll look like something that has been forsaken for 20 years, some little metal building somewhere. This place is built of concrete block overlaid with brick. They don't even build all brick homes. They put a little fake brick on the front and some aluminum siding wrapped around it. I just need you just for a minute to check up and see if you've got Dying faith. During that vision, I only saw his sandals and a bit of his robe. 
And occasionally I would see his hand. It was nail pierced here. Not here. Here. Read my book, The Cross, and you'll find out the truth of the crucifixion. And you Southern Gospel writers and singers, stop singing three rusty nails. There were four, not three. Read the book. And, and I would see that hand come down and pick up a block and put it in place. And God spoke to me and said, I'll help you. Now, that, that will help you have dying faith. Here it is. Never happened in the history of the world before or since. So do you think I have trouble trusting that if it's in his word, he said it, and he's got the character to back it? The death rate is very stubborn. It's never changed. Freddie had lost out with God, far away from God. Because you're right today does not mean you'll be right tomorrow. Anybody that ever told you that once you're born again, you will never sin again is a liar. Anyone that told you, you young people reading everybody's book in the universe that just wrote it to sell a book. Thank God, while you're at Valor Christian College, you're going to get some doctrine. You're going to learn what you believe and why you believe it. And you're going to get so solidly rooted in the word of God that these little limp, these little guys running around to sell a book won't move you. Because you know in whom you have believed and you are fully persuaded that he is able to keep everything you've committed to him against that day. Freddie, he sat right here, Sydney. Well, he sat kind of there and here. It, you know, when he went with me on the airplane, I had to buy two first class seats. He was a big boy. He drove an 18 wheel truck. That's what he did for a living. Well, he called me and he got right with God. Brought his family to church Sunday night and they were all rolled out here. Are you listening, Elkhart? You listening online? You better listen. You better discover 
whether or not you have the greatest faith, dying faith. So they were here on a Sunday night and I walked in and I've sat there for now, uh, how many years? Let's see, I was 29 and I'm 63. So what's that, 34 years or something? I sat right there, right there. So I'm coming to my seat and there's Freddie. You can't miss him. And he's got his hands up and he's weeping. Some of you staying in Judah Hall, raise your hand. You're staying in Judah. Yeah, uh, his last name was Jude. His first name was Freddie. Where you're going to lay your head will remind you to keep dying faith. Not going out with your girlfriend and hiding out in the dugouts and putting your hands on things that don't belong to you. So I walked up to him. He was just worshiping. Hard to get to people at that point. At that point, on Sunday night, uh, there were about 3,500 people on Sunday nights. And I walked right there and I gave him a big hug and I patted him on the back. I told him I was proud of him. Proud of you too. Proud of you too. And I went on with the service. The next morning, I got a phone call rather early for a Monday morning, I must say. I'd preached three times on Sunday. And then I used a lot of energy preaching. And they said, we need you to come to Grand Hospital. I said, I'll be right there. Hung up the phone, threw on a jogging suit, and went to the hospital. They said, come to the emergency room. So I came to the emergency room, and the doctor and a couple nurses met me. And they said, Pastor Parsley, we need you to come downstairs. You know, when you pastor thousands of people, you go to the hospital a lot, right? And I went to the hospital three or four times a week then. And I knew at Grant Medical Center off Grant Avenue, downtown Columbus, what's downstairs from the emergency room, the morgue. And I went down and those doors slapped open Long concrete block, concrete floor, hallway with utility lights. Down toward the end of the hallway, I could, I could see a hospital gurney and a sheet pulled up over a massive body. They said, we need you to identify this body. So I walked down there 
and I pulled back that sheet. And there was that 320 pound young man that the night before was standing there worshiping God with all of his heart. I put the sheet back up and I said, I know him well. He's my mother's sister's son. He's my cousin. His name's Fred June. You wet behind the ear boys that think pastoring is lights and TV cameras. We'll get an education while you're here. I buried every member of my family. I've stood there over the grave of my own, over the casket of my only sister right there. Then I preached my father's funeral with him laying right there. Then I preached my mother's funeral with her laying right there. It's not my first day here. There's something to be said for longevity. There's something to be said for, he hasn't had three wives. preach his funeral, Fred Jude's. And I remember I, I came down it. It was probably the first time I'd ever done it. And I came down and I stood in front of the casket. I noticed while I was preaching right over here, right toward the edge of that aisle, there was another fellow. He got my attention because he looked so much like Fred. Found out later he weighed 330 pounds. He was dressed in bibbed overalls. Had a big long beard and long hair. Found out later he drove an 18-wheel truck too. That's how he knew Fred. So I'm standing with the earthly temple of my 29-year-old best friend for life and Big Tom, that's what they called him. Big Tom came up and he took a hold of the casket, you see, and he was shaking. And I said, what's your name, son? He said, they call me Big Tom. He was weeping. I said, Big Tom, Obviously, you and Fred were good friends, and you don't have to be separated forever. You can see him again, and you can live forever in heaven with him. Just take a knee right here before Jesus. Give your life to Jesus today. And he, his knees started to bend, and I thought, He's going to pray. 
And then he looked up at me with a look of terror and ran right up that aisle and right out that exit. I got a call two weeks later. Two weeks. Uh, Pastor Parsley, we would like to use the sanctuary, they called it, at World Harvest for a funeral. I said, well, certainly. Who is the deceased? They said, well, you might remember him. It was the same funeral director. He said he was at Freddie's funeral. His name was Big Tom. Big Tom was driving his 18-wheel truck. Fell asleep. Went off the freeway. Hit a concrete overpass. The truck burst into flames. And he entered eternity. I don't know what happened in the very last seconds that he may have had breath in his body. But chances are pretty solid. This one is today in heaven. And that one is in all probability not. That book you hold on your lap says, tomorrow is promised not to you. Say right now, say it out loud so you can hear it with your own ears. You and Elkhart, you watching at home, say it right now. I don't have tomorrow. little capillary in your brain less than the size of a pin a, a needle that you sew with running through your brain right now all it takes is just one of those to get a little too much pressure everything goes black and your eyes open in eternity. You say, well, this isn't very encouraging. Oh, it will be. It will be when you get dying faith. Because there are some of us that have been, according to God's word, delivered from the fear of death. What about your faith? The apex of all Christian endeavor must become to place the jewel of a soul in the crown of our Savior, that the Lamb of God slain may receive the reward of his suffering. He died for you. 
The greatest statement of faith ever uttered in this world was the last statement of Jesus of Nazareth. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He trusted his father. Do you know why? Because he knew the scriptures. He knew that David had said, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, nor suffer your Holy One to see corruption. He had trust. You're not going to leave me on this cross. You're not going to leave me in this pain. You're not going to leave me in this suffering. And when they peel my riven back off this blistering cross, and when they wrap it in grave clothes, and when they seal it with a stone, you won't leave me there. He won't leave you either. Your casket may already be over at the funeral home right now. It's entirely possible that someone sitting here today will before this week comes to an end make another visit to the sanctuary but you won't walk in and you won't walk out. I'll stand over you here. And halfway faith won't take you that journey. Living how you want, reckless and free, ignoring God's mandate, ignoring his law, walking through his grace, trampling his blood to have it your way. Won't get you across Jordan's swelling tide. Only dying faith will do that. Faith like John the Lesser. Peter, Simon the Lesser, right? Simon, James, I'll get it. James the Less. I made a slide of him, do you have it? No, that's not the slide. Keep looking. I'll wait. 
I approved it two days ago. Look at that. The Apostle James the Less, he's, he's not called the Less because he's, he's less in importance. He was younger than the other James. A young man. An apostle of Jesus Christ. Some say he was the brother of Jesus. Others, he was Jesus' cousin. We do know that Mary, his mother, was at the cross with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Nonetheless, James, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, became a flaming evangelist for the gospel of Christ. His reward was not a $3 million home and a Lamborghini. That was not his reward for preaching the gospel. His reward was that the Jewish leaders called him to the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem about three and a half stories high because they wanted him to renounce Christ. They wanted him to declare that the apostles had not seen him raised from the dead. And they wanted him to declare there is no such thing as Jesus coming again. So they put him out there on that pinnacle and all of the people gathered. You would have thought the Pope was about to speak. There they stood waiting for that young man to spare his life and renounce Jesus Christ. Up! You better have dying faith then. You may not be able to confess your way out of this one. I believe God will give his angels charge over me and I'll be protected. Or you could have dying faith and say to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Now everybody claps. You better think. So instead of doing that, James the Less decided that he would just preach the gospel. So he began preaching and declaring that Jesus, same as the apostle Peter, Jesus Christ sent from God, God's only begotten son, whom you have lawlessly crucified and taken to death, hath God raised up on the third. That's about as far as he got. That's about as far as he got. Because the religious folk can't handle that. So they pushed him, tumbling down three and a half stories onto the stone roadway. But it only broke his legs. And so on those broken and bloody stumps of legs, he got on his knees. There's a pattern here. 
He got on his knees. And since he was at the crucifixion, he decided the words of Jesus would be good for him too. And he shouted, Father, as they were stoning him, forgive them, for they know not what they do. At which time, someone in the mob grabbed a fuller's club, struck him about the head, and he entered his eternal reward. That's the greatest faith, dying faith. You say, well, how do I get there? Uh, there's only one way. You have to die. You have to die. Well, well can I just pray a prayer? No, you have to die. Well, what if I go to Bible college? No. No, you have to die. Well, what do you mean I have to die? I mean exactly what I said. You have to die to what you want, to your way, to your will, to your rebellion, to your selfishness, to your pride, to your fear, to your sin, to Satan's influence in your life. You have to die. You say, well, how do I do it? Well, actually, you don't. God takes care of it. What you have to do is repent. Because self-sacrifice is entry-level Christianity. You must be born again. And in order to do that, how many of you have been born? Wave at me, let me know you're not a corpse. Okay, a few of you, not sure. Okay, you're alive right now. Let me, let me see, okay, you're alive right now. Okay, so if you're alive right now and you have to be born again, in between there, you have to die. That's what's missing from the gospel that's being preached across America today that is not a gospel. You who were dead in trespasses and sins, has he quickened and made alive by the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead. I'm not talking about some little nod toward I'm going to try to do better. God didn't call you to be better. He came, called you to be a different human being, a new creature. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, 
on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.